Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive-through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be all, end all, know it all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. All right, Jared, what were your thoughts? Uh, we didn't get them yesterday with uh, Oklahoma, Iowa State. Sooner struggled early defensively, shored things up, end up winning by 30, 50 to 20. Gabriel continues to be fantastic in almost every way to play quarterback. Uh, defensive score, defense scored again right off the bat. I thought the crowd, it sounded at least on TV, crowd seemed electric in a night game for once instead of the 11 o'clock rooster kickoffs. I think it's interesting because, to me, and I think Jim said this yesterday, and I totally agree, it depends on your perspective. If you want to go the negative route, you can and say, golly, gave up 20 points to Iowa State in the game's first 21 minutes. What are you doing? If you want to be positive, you can say, but after that happened, we saw adjustments and pitches shut out the last 39. Where do you kind of stand on that? Well, kind of. Both as the game was happening, um, I was I wasn't able to watch, but I was following on my phone and seeing the back and forth score fest in the in the first half, basically or first quarter and a half. And the text I was getting was like, "Well, here we go again. It's back. The the expletive defense is back." But then, as the game wore on and the points uh, accumulated for OU and seeing the you know, the stops OU kept getting. I was on the side of, okay, for the first time since, I mean, I can't remember when, it felt like defensive adjustments were made. It wasn't just stubborn defense, like we're going to kind of keep doing the same thing because that was the game plan on Wednesday, and we're not going to go away from it. It felt like, they okay, well, that's not working. Let's make some defensive adjustments. Let's coach a little bit the secondary to play better defense and and um and then you saw what you got so that was encouraging for me was there was in-game defensive adjustments which I guess is what you would expect from a coach Venables team right you would have to he's a defensive guy and then offensively they just keep scoring points it was Dylan Gabriel is quietly you're seeing more conversation I'm not going to say Heisman go to New York guy, but he's in a lot of top ten, maybe even top five list in some people's cases. But just because of the the statistics that he's putting up, he's protecting the football. He's making some great throws. He's making knowing when to run it. If I'm not mistaken, he's the team's lead rusher. If I'm without looking at it, he's playing um, really good football. And what I really liked was the stat of him connecting with ten different guys downfield. It's not just one guy he's relying on. 
And that was my question mark going into the season was, well, outside of Stoops, who else is he going to throw it to? And there's been some guys, not just a guy, but guys that have stepped up and become reliable targets for him. And I like how he, it's just not, he's not zero in on one guy or a safety net. He's going through progression, seeing who's open and just trusting that that guy's going to catch it. It's refreshing. Concerning running, got to figure out that run game. There's little sparks of it, three yards there, four yards, you know, there, but that's still a, a concern up fronting and, and, creating um um some opportunities for the running backs i don't know if health is a question if they can't figure out who their guy is and finding rhythm with the guy because they're kind of rotating them in and out but overall like i said back to the top circling back is i was really pleased with the defensive adjustments really pleased yeah and you know the- like in a, in a game's time it squashed my concerns does that make sense like there was concern, like oh my goodness, and then it was at the end of the game, like man, after they score twenty, and there's a stat out there, how much yards they acquired before, during getting twenty points, and then how much they did after that, and that just screamed at me they were making adjustments that the coaching staff coached them up and made adjustments, and I don't think we've seen that. We definitely didn't see that a lot in the Lincoln Riley era, and maybe even before. Yeah, part of it was just kind of it almost felt. Like the the defensive backs on a couple of plays, it was Key Lawrence once, Billy Bowen the other, almost too aggressive, and, and, and that aggressiveness took way the wrong angle oh, yeah. to try to be able to make any plays on the ball or even on a, on a player. I mean, the, the first touchdown from behind the defense, you kind of look and you go, where is Key Lawrence going? Right. I, well, he was going where the ball was headed. He just didn't recognize that the receiver was coming. And, and in a lot of ways, Bowman did the same thing and then collided with the guy and it was over. So I think almost maybe just kind of ratcheting down the aggressiveness in the secondary, which against Iowa State and that offense, that makes sense. Against Texas, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a totally different animal. But you're right. It's something we haven't seen. Who doesn't think that game wasn't 52-45 a year ago? Right. By the time it's over. Correct. And and more familiarity as far as uh, the players with the system – and, and with with Venables, with the players, you know, kind of understanding what their strengths are, how to, you know, what bush, uh, what uh, what buttons to push to to get the best results, and that certainly happened uh, because it, it really, quite honestly, we hadn't seen that 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 quote unquote last year's defense yet this year, and I do think it was refreshing for that to turn around, not even not even game by game, like series by series. <laughs> I mean, you could almost tell. When the, when the adjustments were made, and it was even before halftime, it felt like, like, okay, never mind. And then you come out, Iowa State only gains 84 yards in the second half, and, and OU chokes them out. So, yeah, I, I think there's re, there's ways to be positive about it. But if you want to be negative, you can. You, you absolutely can. And you can sit there and go, what are you doing giving up 20 in the first 21 minutes to Iowa State, an offense that had just been putrid until hitting a couple of plays against OSU the week before. That brings up this week, Red River shootout. First time since 2011, both teams come in undefeated. Uh, I'm sure that I know the team, the, the fans of the Crimson and Cream are hoping to get a, a similar result to that day. I was there, and it was an absolute beating that OU put on Texas that day, 55 to 17. I, I don't see either team being able to do anything sort of even mirroring that. Something that you mentioned uh, that one of the negatives so far for OU has certainly been the running game. 
and the inability for either the offensive line to gel, the running backs to find the holes, are the running backs just not as good as we thought? Where is Where have Barnes and Sawchuck been? Barnes, uh, some sort of injury. But the problem with the running game is this. Uh, I heard Mark say this stat yesterday, and it's been one that's been out there forever. In the last 24 years, the team that wins the rushing battle against the spread is 22-1-1. You just simply don't win this game if you don't win the rushing battle. And that's something that, you know, that does not bode well for Oklahoma. But at the same time, if you look at Texas, their stat, their, their rushing offense looks better. But if you, I mean, they're still making the big plays. I get it. But it's not like they're just, you know, dominating the game with their, with their offensive line and their run game. They've hit some big ones. And that's something that Oklahoma is going to have to be able to, you know, keep you're going to be playing with your hair on fire in this game everybody knows it on both sides and sometimes I think the really good play callers and the really good offensive coordinators in this game can use the other team's aggressiveness to their advantage getting guys to to overrun plays and cut back lanes are open that kind of stuff you 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 actually it seems like in this game more than any other you see big running plays happen and I think a big part of it is because the teams are flying around you know what I mean and yeah. then you know you, you over pursue one time somebody hits the the y button and they're out the bat and they're out the gate yeah that's so that's so weird I was looking up rushing stats teams did you look that up mm-hmm. well even Texas are like virtually the same it's not it's not different it's the only difference is Texas has hit some home run yeah, balls oh you doesn't have a run over 20 yards no, no and they'll do the and I was watching the huddle last night. If you don't know what the huddle is, it's the OU program. It's on ESPN Plus. Uh, I think Gabe's with them, uh, Toby, and uh, so. Anyways, so they're um, breaking down. They're, they're kind of assessing the the season so far going into the game and talking about the run game. And that's the glaring weakness, I guess, for Oklahoma. And so in the past, there was. You know, three yards, four yards, then boom, 12 yards, 18 yards, three yards, four yards, boom, a big 40-yarder, you know, something like that. That's what Texas is kind of doing. Like, they'll get the three yards, the four yards, get bottled up, but then they'll bust a big one more so than what Oklahoma has. But statistically, what's crazy is Oklahoma is just a tick better than Texas in overall rushing, which is uh, like uh, total rushing. But yards per rush, Texas leads that category. So it's razor thin, and that's that might be the, the difference. In this game, you're right, and it always and that is a statistic that everyone kind of goes, goes back to and go, okay, whoever leads rushing in this game usually wins the game. Yeah, and, it does. And I, like it's been like like clockwork. So yeah. twenty three to twenty four, I think straight up. Yeah, but that is nuts that they're both porous and rushing the football. But yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, they're both really good at quarterback too. I mean, they both can whip it around the yard. Yeah, and I think. <clears throat> The biggest development from in my mind in Oklahoma season from what we what what the question marks were at the beginning of the year, as much as the defense has improved, I always thought, well, it can't get worse. Right. You know what I'm of saying? Of course. Like, that that's going to get better. But for me, the emergence that of Oklahoma's wide receivers and the talented group that they have now you know, you could, you could fire out names before the season, and it was all kind of on hope and a prayer because you hadn't really seen anybody outside of Stoops and Farouk do anything. Andrell Anthony has been a huge addition. And then two young guys 
that had all the promise in the world have that have started to step up and make plays. When you think about Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson, those guys make this a way more talented, way more dangerous group because of what they are. There's something that Oklahoma hasn't really had. I'm talking about clear back to the beginning of the Stoops era. You haven't seen that six foot three, six foot five, lanky, tall, fast guy. You hadn't seen many of those at OU. And if you have, they hadn't produced. Oh yeah, Quentin you know. Chaney. <laughs> you go down the list. Yeah. There, there's so many of those guys that were recruited at the uh, Matuire, uh, Trey Matuire, mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And you've seen, you know, maybe CD, and, and he's not even as big as these guys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, he he can even play more in the slot as he does for Dallas right now. But these are more of those, you know, the Julio Jones looking dudes. By the time they're done. You know, you just hadn't had that. And so you add that to what they've got on the inside with Stoops catching every ball. Uh, obviously, a tight end would be nice, but it just doesn't seem to be the case this year. Stogner just isn't what he was, health-wise. He's just not. He, he just He's lost a step or two from when he got here. But the receiving core has been fantastic for Oklahoma, and I think that is that is an advantage that Texas was going to have so big time that has been negated. Now, that's a great question. Yeah, in the trenches, it, it looks like Texas's offensive line against OU's defensive line for sure. And then you got sweat on the defensive line. I, I think, even though we just talked about you have to win the run game, I do think early on OU can negate some of the defensive line issues, uh, the offensive line issues against Texas's defensive line by getting the ball out fast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think they can negate some of that. But when it comes down to it, and, it, and if this game is close, it's going to come down to it at some point, having to be able to run the football. And can you push them around? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't and, know. And then, obviously, on the other side, it would be nice to get pressure on yours. The one – I think the one thing you probably feel better about now than you did before the season if you're a Sooner fan is if it takes multiple guys, extra guys, to get pressure, you feel a little bit better about the back end – than maybe you did to start. Gentry Williams has been fantastic. The safeties have been good. The one area, though, is kind of just right up the middle, and there's an injury lingering out there for Texas that could be monumental in this game, and that's if Jatavian Sanders, the all-world tight end, can't play. If he's out, then a big – Takes away a weapon. I mean, oh, and and against a part of OU's defense that has been vulnerable. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, what we'll have to see as the as the week moves on, but yeah, I mean, I that's why I wrote this question down, Jared. Okay, so we're going to hear all week long how much more talented Texas is, how much better a team they are. They're the best team. They they played Alabama. They beat Alabama. They've got all these advantages personnel wise. They're more talented, you know. So give me a spot that OU has a better. Where, where's the personnel advantage for Oklahoma? Is there, or is this just one of those games where? One team is vastly superior in talent, but the other one's going to have to make some some trick plays or some wild plays or turnovers or special teams or what? Well, to answer that last part of that question is, I go back to at the high school what I was talking about, swagger. If there's a way OU can get momentum and swagger and, and believe, hey, we're the underdogs, no one's giving us a chance, that's where they got a shot. But uh, talent-wise, it's hard to find um, unit versus unit. <laughs> apart for OU a unit that's better for OU that's better than Texas it's kind of hard to find that I mean it's it's some in some cases it's razor thin if you go by statistics now that's probably product of who they've played but I mean 
I, I'm not suggesting Dylan Gabriel's better. I am better than yours. You I are. will. You will go there. Absolutely. Okay. He's he's been great this year. I mentioned that earlier. I mean, if you go statistics versus statistics, and a lot of people like the analytics and the numbers, he's head and shoulders been better than Ewers has this year. So I wonder if that. But the thing that scares me about that is Dylan Gabriel, and Texas fans will always fail to remember this. He did not play in that game last year, and that's a thing. If you did not play in that game, if you've never played in the Cotton Bowl in this game, it's a thing. Ewers has. So there might be a little edge there. But if Dylan Gabriel can get past the pageantry and, and, and all that stuff and understand the difference in what side of the field you're playing on, and he plays like he has played in those first five games, he, that might be the edge for OU. I think that's that's the one spot. Also, I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't know – Special teams have been fantastic for Oklahoma. Man, I wrote something down, and, and I want to talk about maybe it. Not, maybe <laughs> not the kicker or the punter, right? Because those are both shaky. But the the, the, the punt block teams, the, the punt return teams, kickoff, they, they have been fantastic before, for Oklahoma When's so far? the last time before this game for OU that, and I'm just going off of memory here, they've had a punt return for touchdown, two block punts, When's the last time that's ever happened? Before this game, not in a season. Right. It just seems like that was such a foreign concept. I can remember a punt block against UCLA in 2018, the game here. I was there. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it happened. With Beamer, when Beamer first came, uh, I actually think Stogner's the one that blocked it. But the special team, I mean, there's. I may have recovered. I just it. mentioned three special teams things that. Punt return for a touchdown? That's the first score of the year, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But my point is it's just different. The special teams there is different. It does feel like it. It, it does feel like there's an emphasis. Or, or you know what? Maybe it's just one dude that has a, a, an <laughs> otherworldly football IQ <laughs> Might be a little bit just of making too. plays in Peyton Bowen because he's the one that's blocked them both. Yes. yes. I mean, and, and I mentioned it last week, and guess who you saw out there a lot more? Maybe not 22 as much. The 34 is out there a ton this week. P.J. Adeboare. I don't even think that's how you say it anymore. But he was out there a bunch. He had a sack. I heard his name a lot on the radio. He was he was out there. And, and name, Venables yeah. even mentioned it coming back from Cincinnati. Like, hey, we got to get him out there more. Yeah. And he's starting to get out there more. I, I wonder if Bowen's going to be that. If maybe I'm not, this I'm is not making fun of OSU or anything, but isn't out that refreshing to recognize talent and go, we got to get that guy out there. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, it seems like that's kind of frust- like the frustrations in Stillwater. Like the fans recognize that guy is a dude. We got to play him. Why aren't they playing him enough? Oh my gosh, Colin Oliver especially. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I, I still don't understand that from last year. Let's let's go to Stillwater. So we'll talk about OU Texas all week long. Obviously. Right. Friday night, man. I, I'm going to tell you, I haven't ever liked Friday night games. Uh, I know OU played one at Tulsa years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously on on this Friday night, a conference game. With Oklahoma State and Kansas State, I think this is such a shot and such a slight to what Oklahoma State has built as a program to make them play on a Friday night, and it's and it's not like this game was flexed to Friday. No, this was. On the this has for this a has while. nothing to do with yeah. the the season that OSU has started out in. But I just for for and and also Kansas State, let's let's not poo poo them in this also. They're the damn defending conference champs. 
and they're a team that has that has consistently been toward the top of the league for years now. Can I, I just I, I I think it's probably more. It's not it's not as uh, as sinister. No, it's it's to try to build something TV wise and not let it get lost in the shuffle on Saturday. But still, I think it's such a slight no, to these two yeah. programs to make them play on a Friday I night. I completely, yeah, I think that's where the Big 12 was coming from when they made this schedule. Was, hey, that might, you know, no one's going to outshine on Saturday OU Texas. So Correct. let's move this game to Friday. we got the Big 12 champs. It's at Stillwater. It's a Friday night game. OSU, yeah, they're always going to be good or contending. They're, you know, fighters. We want as many eyeballs on this game on the same weekend as as many eyeballs are going to be watching OU Texas. So I think that was the idea of it. But I get what you're saying because there's no way – I mean, I know OU and TCU are playing a Friday night game, but it's not this early in the season. It's in a, no, it's, it's, in it's a traditional, Black Friday. It's a traditional yeah. football weekend where people are eating turkey sandwiches and going to be watching the game. But I see what you're saying, and I, and you, it does feel like a little, little – disrespectful i think it's hugely disrespectful yeah. to both of the teams um, yeah, well i wonder if there's any pushback from both teams I mean, you know mike doesn't like it because it outshines the high school that's right that's right? exactly and, and he's made that he's made that point known i know bob made that point known back in yeah. that tulsa game years ago they they oh, they both made the have made the point over and over that this is high school football it, it may not be in in kansas or it may not be in wherever else around the country, but in the places that matter where they recruit, i.e. Texas and Oklahoma, Friday nights are for are for the high schools and Saturdays are for the colleges. And I, I guess I, I do understand the idea of these are going to be two of our marquee teams, marquee programs moving forward when those two playing on Saturday are gone. Mm-hmm. So let's try to get a showcase out there for them just do it at a different time, though. On Saturday, just don't butt up against OU Texas at eleven, and you can still do that. It's it's simple, but unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. Now it'll be a national TV audience. I, I get that, but I, I just hate that it's on a Friday night. I, I think it takes away uh, from the atmosphere. It just and and it might be full stadium, but it just isn't Saturday, and people are going to have to you know the rush up there to get there it, it, it doesn't give you the experience yeah. that this game deserves with the two teams and the programs that they have been yeah kudos though to Stillwater to, to osu they're i guess embracing it they're doing like a blackout thing and it's and, sold out again sold out it's gonna be at night on national television so like okay if we're gonna be on national television let's make it look impressive it just stinks though because it it's not the same it does stink because i'll be honest with you i'm gonna be more interested in watching high school football than does that make sense? Like, okay, I'll check the score on my phone, but I'm probably going to have a high school football game on my TV. Well, yeah, I mean, Clinton and Weatherford, uh, that's well, for, just one for of For our those, interest, yeah. we, we're going to really pay attention more to that because the big college game is, and most times they are, they're on Saturdays. Yeah. What's your top ten this week? Oh, where is it? Where is it? I got a list. I wrote it down. Okay, I'll go ten to one. I got Notre Dame at ten. Nice, nice win on the road. At it Duke. was. It bouncing was. back, and I thought they were about to about to lose, but they they found a way to win. I got Bama at nine, Oregon eight, and I probably might have put them higher, but Ohio State seven. I still like Penn State at six. I, I Texas right here at five because I think Washington's offense is better, and I have them at four. Florida State three, Michigan two, Georgia one. Um, I actually put the Sooners at ten this week. 
Just if I were to do 11, I'd probably say so OU. I was just ahead of Bama and USC. USC, no. That ain't it, dog. You notice I didn't even put USC I, in my I top 10? I didn't, I didn't either. That's not a top 10 defense. We've seen it. We, here, we, we know where it, this story is, yeah, how this story really is. And that's probably – I'm probably projecting later on more than right now because everybody knows they're going to lose a couple of games in shootout fashion when their offense can't quite get it done, and they're going to be right there at the edge of the top 10. So I'm just already I'm, – I'm doing that preemptively to move them just outside the I top 10. I love the uh, post-game presser and just the looks on Caleb Williams' face that people yeah. were, I think, making a mountain out of a molehill. Mole sure. But it was still funny. Okay, so OU 10, I've got Notre Dame 9. Uh, that was really impressive to back uh, to, to come back after that soul-crushing loss to deliver one to Duke. Uh, Penn State 8, it's probably too low because I like them, but – Oregon's done more at seven. Washington's done more at six. Ohio State at five. I've got Florida State four, Texas three, Georgia two. I moved Michigan to one. Um, they still haven't played anybody, but they have looked the part. They've looked complete. They have looked complete. More than anybody else in the country. No problem with Nebraska. Now, a lot of people will have, right. have a problem with Nebraska, but it wasn't Lincoln. Well, and I just think it's a hard – I mean, Georgia went to Auburn. They got it done. And, man, Brock Bauer – I'm still not sure Brock Bowers isn't the best player in the country. Tight end at Georgia. I'm still not sure he's not because, man, did he make some monster plays. Beck grew up. Auburn's a tough play. I get it. That's a huge – that's maybe the longest – I think that's the longest rivalry in the SEC. Georgia-Auburn. Georgia, it's the longest one. But – or longest running or what have you. They got it done. Now they get. To, how about this? I was a year ahead. I was a year early on Kentucky. We'll be back. <laughs> Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed, separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients with their drive-through window, curbside service, and free local delivery. It's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug. 809 North Main Street, Milk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise. We provide care you can trust. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal wrapping up a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday with convenience packaging. What is convenience packaging at Paul Jones Drug? Well, they individually package your daily medication. So that means you do not have to do it yourself. You do not have to take your pills out of the out of your uh, bottles and put them in your pill caddy and make sure you have the right ones for the right day and the right dosage and all that. No, 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 no. They do it for you. All you got to do is open up the package, take your medication, boom, head on down life's path. Uh, they've got the durable medical equipment, which is your walkers, your canes, your crutches, etc. Most of the insurances are accepted at Paul Jones Drug, and it's not just medical stuff. They've got cool gifts, a bunch of greeting cards. Try them out. 809 North Main, Paul Jones Drug, care you can trust right here in the Elk City area. Appreciate Rodney and the gang at Paul Jones Drug every single Tuesday. Okay, Jared, there were two... Correct answers to my trivia question right off the top of the show. That question was, there are two teams in the NFL that have not yet run an offensive play with a lead. Dakota and Bill got it right. And that answer, they play in the same stadium. The New York Giants... And the New York Jets. And now Cade got it right, right before I said the answer. 
Everybody obviously saw that same stat that I saw. <laughs> I thought it was coming with something obscure there. It's up there. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. So the Giants and the Jets have yet to run an offensive play with a lead. That's pretty. It's pretty remarkable. I, through I think four I games. inadvertently asked a trivia question. When's the last time OU had a punt return for a touchdown? I think I found the answer, and we've had some texts to our person. It, the The record holder is obviously Antonio Perkins. Oh yeah, yeah. But that that, that was way back. Oh, well, you said I mean, well. You said a punt return, blocking a punt, and all yeah, that yeah, before yeah, but, the Texas game. But uh, hyper focusing in on the punt return for touchdown. Jalen Saunders used to do it a bunch. Probably been since then, though. What do you got? Royals after him? No, no. Royals was way before Jalen Saunders. I'm not seeing Saunders on this list. Oh, Jalen Saunders returned one in that cold game against Oklahoma State in 2013. Oh, but it was after. Oh, oh, she was after Texas. If that's your question. That's another part of the question. But he one million percent returned a touchdown. Yeah. In that cold game at OSU, the controversy, the video you built when you dubbed the OSU broadcast over the video. We know what you're talking. We all know what you're talking about. You remember that? I don't know what you're talking about. No, yeah. Oh yeah, AJ. Remember when Tyreek Hill returned a touchdown, a punt for a touchdown at Bedlam game? We do, AJ. We remember it. Who would? Who could forget? That was. You know who else remembers it? Bob. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Broyles. Yeah, that was – Saunders was since then. Saunders since then. I need to really do – I'm going to find this out. Like this before the Texas game was the last time that okay. he's had even just one punt return for a touchdown. Hmm. Point to all this, just the special teams have been fantastic. How about this? When's the last time OU's had 12 turnovers before the OU-Texas game? Created? I mean, defensively? Created yeah, 12 yeah, turnovers? yeah. I'd say a while Ten back. Ten picks, two fumbles recovered. I'd say a while back. That's been a minute. Yeah. All things to think about going into this game. Things that they're doing well, could that apply to this game? I don't know. Could Dylan Gabriel's play apply to this game? With all that being said, and that I mean, I'm not saying it all accumulates into one game, but they're doing a lot of really good things. And I'm not thinking – I think the spread is right where it should be. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, we got Freeman. Yeah, we're talking about outside of Freeman. When has it happened? Before Gavin Freeman returned one in the first game. Right. When's the last time Oklahoma had a punt return for a touchdown before playing Texas? We don't know the answers, so we'll fi- we'll find it before tomorrow. I just can't remember when that's ever happened. I, I guess the ones I'm thinking about happened after with Saunders. Saunders returned. I'm sure there's one in there. He returned back-to-back years against Oklahoma State. One in Norman and one in Stillwater. Yeah, he yeah, had, yeah. But that was afterwards. That was after Texas. Man, I feel like there might it be might one. Be, somebody said it might be Perkins. It might it be. It might be. And I, I kind of feel like – I feel like there might be one in that Ball State game many years ago. Ah, Man, my, my mind's going to be racing until I find it. I'll look it up, and I'll have an answer for you tomorrow. Let's say I can. I mean, I remember a fake punt touchdown before Texas in 01 against Kansas State. Mm-hmm. That crazy play. I think Hunter Wall scored. Remember that name? Yeah. yeah. It might be. May have to go clear back to Antonio. <laughs> AJ is trying to get your goat. <laughs> He's trying to get your goat. Don't let him do it. All right, NFL. Uh, How good's Detroit? 
Do you put Detroit on the level of uh, San Francisco, Dallas, and Philly, who seem to have separated themselves in the NFC? Is Detroit there, or are they just a little bit below that that trio at this point? If they if there's a tier thing, I think they're at the top of tier two. Like they're right there. I need to see a little more though. But they're good. They're a lot better than what they've have been. Yeah, I think they're very Based, good. And what they're doing what we think they should have done. How based on how their season ended last year. Like there's a lot of upside. Unlike Jacksonville, I know they got a win on uh, in Andy's room on Sunday morning. Did you see that? No. The Toy Story thing. Oh, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> By the way, my kids loved it, and they and I think the NFL thought. So it all makes sense now because I saw a bunch of this on Twitter and I had no idea what oh, it was, it was referencing. Cool that I told them about it. They got up. I mean, they got up before I did to watch it, and they turned it on, and they were watching it, and the whole idea I think was to bring kids into the game and watch more NFL because they're explaining what the game was and everything. Well, you know what it did? You know you know what my kids have been watching ever since that Toy Story game? Toy Story movies. They're not watching NFL. <laughs> They've gone and watched Toy Story movies. But um, back to Detroit. I think they, they're doing what we thought they would do is using the end of last season to springboard them into this season, and that's clear. Yeah, they're good, but I think they're they're right there at the – I mean, they're knocking on the door of Tier 1. Like, yeah, they we, can hear the party. They're just waiting to get invited in. And how often do we see this from one year to the next, teams that you feel like are going to take that next leap, and it simply doesn't happen? Yeah, I mentioned Jacksonville. Wow. It's take, I know they got a win, but they were, what, 1-2 going into that game? Yeah, it's, it, There's it a lot happens of, every year. Yeah. But, but Detroit does seem like they're going to take that, at least, I mean, in that division – you know, Minnesota finally got a win at one and three. Packers, what down down to two and two. So the, the Lions the Lions feel like for sure the best team in that division. Just a matter of getting it done. Yeah. Somehow in the world, Detroit has now beat Green Bay four straight times. So that I, I don't know if I'd ever live on, on earth when that happened, but it's happening right now. Chiefs vulnerable? I, I I think they're vulnerable right now. The question is, will that continue into January? Will they make a move? to get Patrick Mahomes some more weapons. We saw it last year, uh, kind of a sneaky move with Tony. And Kadarius Tony ended up making a difference. Uh, Sky Moore hasn't quite got with it yet. Uh, Tony's really been kind of a laughing stock at times. Do you think there is there a move to be made to relieve some of the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes and also Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Uh, break up with Taylor Swift, and, and that that's clearly the distraction, right? That's the move that needs to be made. Move away from her. I'm kidding. I don't know. There seems like there's one piece missing, right? It does. It does it, feel like, but what, what do you give up? What do you? What kind of move? They feel like they always find a way to make good moves without giving up a lot. I know. That's exactly what I was about to say. They, so maybe really, that question's mute. I don't know. Them and the Patriots so far have been the team's that have been able to pay their quarterback yet stay relevant year after year after year after year? I, I think they're fine. I know the offense is in question, but I, I think they're fine. I think they'll be okay as long as they got the refs throwing flags for them. <laughs> or not throwing flags oh, for them. Oh, dear. We'll talk about the biggest games tomorrow. What is your top five in the NFL as of right now? I will go Cowboys slip back my top five. Hard to ignore them with how they played against New England. The defense was fantastic. Bills at four, that's a great win against a team like the Dolphins. Uh, Eagles three, even though they they struggled with Washington, good teams find ways to win. Eagles found a way. Yeah, they're four and zero, and it doesn't feel like they played a good game yet. No. That that doesn't happen very often in yeah. the NFL. 
Chiefs two, 49ers one. Oh, wow. You went with the Chiefs. I put them out. You did? Yep. I, I'm still a believer in them. Chiefs and Miami went away uh, for me. I've got Dallas five, Philly four. See, I, I've, I've been consistently higher on the Ravens than you have all year. I thought yeah. the Ravens, that 28-3 in Cleveland against that defense that had been just shutting down everybody. I like I liked the Ravens. That's why I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I shot the Bills up to two. Listen, I know that we've got promos running where I was dogging Josh Allen <laughs> after the first game, but but that's the reason. Because when he plays like this and plays under control, I think they've done a good job of not being so reliant on him running the football, which helps him a ton. Because it almost feels like the more he runs, then the more aggressive he wants to play in the pass game too, and that's when he gets himself in trouble. Uh, when he plays like this – leading the league in, in completion percentage, and not just being a wild man running the football. Uh, Bills, pro, oh, they're good. And then number one, San Francisco. It's hard to ignore uh, what the what the 49ers have done. 49ers, Dallas this week, big game coming up in the NFL. That'll do it for a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Man, what a big weekend of football we got coming up. Starting on Thursday. Thursday night, Friday night for high school. Saturday. Saturday, obviously. Sunday night Sunday is the big night. game. Yeah. Oh, no, it's uh, it's here. It's going to be fun. And do a little peek ahead to next week's college football. It's unbelievable. Great. Everybody have a great day. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way. Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust.